Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Swingle Singers in the background is signaling the latest edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. We have a very special edition coming up today, and it is my pleasure to welcome to the studio George Williman, film archivist for the Library of Congress. George, good day. Merry Friday. Merry Friday, indeed. Also joining us by long distance over the phone line in Los Angeles, California, where he is working with all the big stars. It is storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and then some, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. Hello, Nikki Dakota. You know, we're probably arriving you for temperature today. You think, huh? Huh? Fifty-three degrees I think you here. Are, but it's it's a pleasant um, seventy-one, seventy-two <laughs> out here. It's very sunny. So how's the Christmas? Sunny in California. How's, how's That's the- right. It never rains in Southern California. <laughs> no, it doesn't. How's the Christmas oh. spirit going out there? Pretty good. It's pretty spooky. <laughs> <laughs> We're brought here for a very special edition. Of- I grew up in Ohio. Uh, yeah. That's right. For California, you have to say holiday spirit. Right. Blowing leaves all over the place. Right. <laughs> Although not they don't Halloween. Really, have the trees don't even blow leaves. It's very strange. <laughs> Spooky Christmas, not even for Halloween in Los Angeles. We're all brought together today because the Christmas season is indeed upon us. We've been reviewing Christmas movies that are perfect this month, and uh, we're taking a look at some of the mass, vast numbers of DVDs and movies that are available for our purchase this season but first you know there's a whole reason why we're here we don't just come here for nothing no we just want to remind the public exactly why we're here yes and now this from trojan (laughs) (laughs) hey these movies are considered perfect because they create the world they exist in and they wholly sustain that world. And regardless of changes in society, they sustain their meaning and entertainment value. And they never, never, never are listed in any sort of uh, numerical order. They're just each one stands on its own two feet. Yeah, they're never ever listed as one being greater than the other. They are perfect in their scale. That's right. And some of the movies we're going to talk about today are on our list. And these uh, fabulous consumers spend all your money box set honestly you know as far as i don't know enough about the movie industry to speak definitively but i can tell you that the music industry shuts down there's no reporting there's no charts generated for billboard or any of that from basically the beginning of december through january because no one wants to release a new record they want to package things up things up real pretty and uh, entice you to uh stuff stockings and uh, fill the tree and i think and we'll see this a bit in the in the film business too they will uh, you know double and triple pack package things that maybe they got a lot left over of <laughs> and they'll package them up together you know they'll find two or three films that have some inkling of an idea going together and and they'll package them and they'll throw them out to all the big box stores and blow them out for like nine dollars wow now you i guess you can take your chances no with shortage those. of product in this country no <laughs> shortage of product yeah really we could build houses from dvd cases couldn't we but none of those none of these double up and uh, 9.99 for your treats although maybe you can get some bargains on it but we're talking about the really good ones That's that right. are available out there for purchase yeah, you know some of the movies that we're going to discuss um down the line here um are on are in these box sets, and then right. there's some not so perfectly films that we you know which we really like, and we'll talk about those too. Right, and there are a few bargains out there that uh, that I've come across that will will 
get in here near the end, I think. I would like to ask just one question first off, because I have, uh, I'm have i a big buyer of seasons of television. Um, uh, You're seasons. on the wrong show. No, 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 but listen. It's, so it's you don't DVDs. have a personal life then. Okay. <laughs> right, exactly. We're all about movies here. <laughs> no, no, but here's what I've noticed. What they Next do. thing you're going to talk to us about radio and stuff like that. <laughs> what I've noticed, though, for TV, and maybe movies are classier and don't do this, but they will often take a, a, a DVD and double-side it. They will put you know, some of the episodes on one side and then of the same DVD, flip it over. And, and you know, so you have to, it seems to me that these are fragile and not to be trusted unhardy yeah, things. this is a, uh, something that... Well, there's uh, always some sort of secret message on the other side. Bible, <laughs> if you play it back. You know, Bible right. product from right. television. Right. I know that Universal right now, um, at least until recently, they were one of the big users of, these, of this uh, type of DVD. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's a way of you know packing a lot of stuff on on one disc, and they even have some that are double sided and double layered. So, and I think that's what Universal was using uh, the double sided, double layered because they could put two or three movies on each side. So then, what now, like if you accidentally scratch this, you lose so you lose much. a lot of material. Yes, that's the biggest problem. And the other problem is they're very hard to make. So, I mean, I know that Universal was having a lot of issues with some of the um, like the monster series they were putting out with all the movies on one side and the Abbott and Costello series. Uh, a lot of machines can't play them because they're, they're so complicated. And if they're even slightly off in the way they're put together, they don't work very well. I haven't had any well, problem with them. The biggest problem they're having is when people put them on their dashboards and they turn a corner and they slide across. They slide off, yeah. And, and then they have a big scratch on there. So... <laughs> So as we consider these, um, let's uh, if it is, if it applies, as we you gentlemen talk about some of the best uh, bargains available this season, or at least some of the best movies available to be right. purchased that are uh, out in box sets. Um, if you could note whether or not they're double sided, I would really appreciate that. It seems to me, it seems to me, the trend is moving away from that. Yeah. Because I think it was realized that the the, the trouble and bad press they were getting for the problems was not worth the money they were saving because they were having to take them all back and replace them. And as, as we talked yesterday, um, the latest season of Northern Exposure, season five, is not double-sided. It is all single-sided. Whereas all the rest of them had been, and I was very pleased about that. So, Jay Todd, would you like to go first with uh, your first recommendation? Well, we're going to talk about the, um, the ever-repackaging of the Bond collection. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this film has kept, you know, these films keep uh, have kept the name United Artists alive. For Gold mind finger, right. Yeah. They, they really sustain them. Um, and there's, you know, when you get this this, this new uh, James Bond Ultimate Edition one through four, um, in my opinion, there's only like three or four good ones in there. The rest of them, I don't know what you're gonna do with them. But, we get a lot of coasters. Coasters. Yeah, you know, the usual. And one of, one of these days, uh, we're gonna have filmically perfect coasters. You yeah. Know, that uh, we'll send out to people. Oh, but anyway, let's do it. Yeah, filmically poster, filmically perfect coasters. You know. And, uh, <laughs> Um, but anyway, in this box set, there's there's one really good movie that a lot of people don't know about, and it's called In Her, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Ah, uh, yes. And it has George Lazenby as James Bond, and it's really a, a, a very good James Bond movie. It's just that that guy only lasted one movie for some sort of contractual deal, you know. I, I think the deal was <clears throat> that uh, that Sean Connery decided that playing Bond was a good thing and came back. Oh, so he left, and this guy um, was in the middle. The I, I believe that is at least part of and it. You know yes. what's what's really cool about this movie is that. James Bond gets married. Right. He gets married, and um, let me guess, she dies. One of the hottest chicks in the '60s. Yeah. Diana Rigg. Diana Rigg. She was on the uh, Adventures. Uh, yeah. Emma Peel. Emma Peel. And she Black wore leather. Yes. 
you know, the spray-painted costumes that they used to put on her with mm-hmm. a belt, and she would kick everybody's butt, you yep. know, she would fight, and she always did it very stylishly with those very long leg kicks, you know. She's in this movie, and she's spectacular with George Lazenby, and that's a movie that's highly underrated as a Bond picture. And did she, did she, she must have died, though. That's how they yes. got, yeah. She got died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she got killed. Now, interestingly enough, as, as little as you hear about this movie, they do continue to refer to that character in subsequent movies, I do believe. And he, Every he once does in a, a while. pretty good job. I mean, he's got a he's got a really great kind of cold Bond look, mm-hmm. and um, and then all the great early Bonds in, are in here now. Out here in Hollywood, uh, you see billboards of the new James Bond movie, and <laughs> when you look at them, you swear that kind of looks like Sean Connery, and I'm sure that's not an accident. Oh so. no, I'm sure it isn't either. Um, because it, they're trying to play up this coldness that he established in the um, uh, Doctor No and uh, many of the early pictures, and you know, uh, You Only Live Twice, which is a fantastic movie. It has that, John yeah, Gray that one Moore, is is uh, my absolute have, favorite one. And they have this great, great production di- designer in these movies, Ken Adam, and these early pictures before Roger Moore and after Roger Moore, but mostly. Uh, Ken Adam and John Barry do all, uh, are, are apparent in all these movies. John Barry doing the score, and Ken Adam, the production designer, uh, the great one of the greatest, did all this Doctor Strangelove and all these great movies. Um, but these are all in here, and they have they have that beautiful tone uh, that was made very famous by the early Bond pictures with the music and everything. Right. Well, it's a really wonderful melding of, of image and sound and music and. You know, and, and the stories are outrageous. I mean, you know, some of the, the, the plot plot devices and things are outrageous, but it really works well. well it's, and a lot the of villains it because, are outrageous. Yeah. I mean, Goldfinger himself and Pushy Galore. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, she was a villain, man. They flew around these uh, Piper Cherokees, you know, gassing Fort Knox. Yeah. You know? um, it's really great the way all these guys just kind of take a pratfall when she falls over. They all fall down. I can just <laughs> see these... These uh, soldiers, even you know, they're extras for the day. Okay, guys, fall down now. And you can see them all kind of falling on their sides, of course, you know, so they can watch the movie. You know? Now, if I'm not mistaken, the MGM did a really good job putting these box sets together because they put like a couple of strong Bond pictures and a couple of weak Bond pictures together, right? They're not, they don't run uh, chronologically in these sets. No, they don't. No, they don't. They got. It's uh, so that they can know. keep issuing them, isn't it? Well, so they yeah, can be sure they're going to sell them. I mean, yeah. you you put like all the 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 Timothy Daltons in one box and all the late ones. No one's going to buy them. <laughs> yeah, no. and you know everything after uh, To Live and Let Die is big shoes and funny hats. That's what it is. You know, there's it's not serious Bond stuff. It's it's, it's funny jokes. But ha, they really ha, ha. is it true? Or my thinking is that it's really sort of spawned the parody of Pink Panther, and then ultimately uh, the Mike Myers the. Uh, Drawing a blank on his uh, oh Austin Powers Austin yeah. Powers oh, I mean yeah. isn't well, most that all this movie, most d- of these movies kind of came from the great movie North by Northwest you know that's oh. that was kind of the don't you think George was the uh, th- there definitely is a feel to that yeah the sort of the the continuous chase kind of thing you know and after To Live and Let Die I hear Roger Moore had to go to the prop guy and the prop guy showed him how to stick his tongue in his cheek and say the line the prop guy <laughs> told But you recommend this collection. Does it have a name, this collection? Is it the Ultimate Bond? Yeah, the Ultimate Edition. You know, this is like, I don't know, the 564th Ultimate Edition that got out. (laughs) But I'm sure it looks really, really good. But it's got these really beautiful uh, early Bonds and and Our Majesty's Secret Service, which is one of my favorite Bond pictures. We're talking to George. George, what do you got there? What's what's on your your 
list their power. Oh, well, one thing I was going to add about about the Bond stuff, though, I am actually uh, got to view a little bit of one of these. A friend of mine uh, brought him into work and also had one of the older DVDs, like last year's DVD, and we watched a little bit of the same film. Last year's Ultimate Bond collection. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's amazing because, yeah, they have remastered them. They're not just repackaged. They've remastered all the films. And they are just stunning. So they people are going to be really amazing. cheated if they bought last year's Ultimate Edition. Yes, there's real reason for people who have all the Bond movies on DVD already to be upset because these look better. So J. Todd <laughs> Anderson recommends the latest and the, the, the greatest so far I'm Ultimate James Bond collection. Ultimate Cold War uh, James Bond. And that's what made him great. He was the man for his period, for his time. And uh, uh, for about eight years there, you got the best James Bond movies ever. You know? Oh, yeah, they're really sweet. All right, so George Willeman, uh, the film archivist for the Library of Congress, well, that's so funny. Somebody brought it into work. Yeah, somebody brought the collection into work, and over lunch we watched it in the special screening room. How cool. What, what do you point out as well, a particular for, for those one? For those of you who aren't into uh, Cold War spies, how about uh, singing nuns and cowboys? Uh, we're hey, talking- that's my other favorite category. <laughs> Yeah, but we're talking about movies, okay? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Rock on you. laughs> well, what we're what we're looking at is the uh, they've just put out a remastered Rodgers and Hammerstein collection. So yes, once again, all you people who've gotten all the Rodgers and Hammerstein films, there's another reason to be upset because, again, they've they've remastered them, they've redone them, and uh, the couple that I've gotten to look at are really really nice. And here's the amazing thing about these, and I realized this last night when I was preparing these notes. That, that for whatever reason, the majority of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals that were made during the 50s were done in some, some unique process rather than just being shot maybe like, you know, just flat or, or widescreen cinemascope or something where they went to another level. Uh, Oklahoma and South Pacific were shot in Tadeo and The King and I and Carousel were shot in Cinemascope 55 and were the only two shot in Cinemascope 55. And what that has caused over the past 30, 40 years these films have grown in popularity is that these versions of these films have not been available to be seen because there was no way of showing them. There weren't any theaters equipped anymore to run Tadeo or Cinemascope 55. How interesting, an unexpected or maybe unforeseen side uh, effect of being an obscure technology you yeah. simply can't watch it anymore well and of course the whole the whole deal of why they made these like this in the first place was was to combat television because television was killing the movies in the mid 50s so they had to find you know so that's where you get widescreen and more color films and stereo sound and 3d and then you know widescreen kept getting wider and wider so you have cinemascope 55 or yeah cinemascope 55 and tadeo and cinerama and things like that coming out just to get people away from the television set. By the way, speaking of television versus the widescreen of uh, of movie, gentlemen, is it is it fair to say that eventually I think that the original aspect ratio is winning out in how the issues issue movies instead of sort of catering to people with televisions that couldn't stand to have the dark line at the top and bottom for the what they used to call letterbox. Right. That it's winning over. It seems to me most things are at least there is a widescreen format available, if not just only on widescreen. Well, I, I'm noticing, yeah, that the, the uh, original aspect ratio does seem to be more prevalent. I think when we were talking about the Iron Giant, it is only available, in a, as far as I know, in a widescreen version. And for a kid's film, that's unheard of. And now with the proliferation of the uh, 16 by 9 aspect ratio TV, the new HD TVs, um, widescreen movies will not be as widely letterboxed. In fact, a lot of them will actually fill the screen. 
So in fact, if you watch the new widescreen TV, you'll notice that even things that are projected in 6.6 are projected in 185, somewhere around there. So everybody looks like they pick up 20 pounds, you know. <laughs> so the, never, the, the Gilbert I mean, and Sullivan's they're, they're, are... <laughs> they're still sent out in the, in the standard format, but when they put them, when you buy your television set, you know, it's, it's in the widescreen and everybody looks really fat and bulbous. Right, and so now with the the reissue on the Gilbert and Sullivan, everybody looks their the way. Roger and Hammerstein. Ro- that's funny. <laughs> Why am I saying? Yes, uh, another pair. You know. Yeah, another pair of amazing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know if it's just me, but if you watch Apocalypto, that new movie that's out, the uh, hunter villain looks interestingly enough like Hugh Brenner. <laughs> oh really? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kept looking at that guy. I thought I kept waiting for him to break out into a song, you know, because he looks like the old Brenner, you know. <laughs> So they're it's in the ori- puzzlement. <laughs> in the original aspect ratio, everybody looking uh, the the normal weight that they were when they made the movies. And uh, how many movies in this box set? There are let's see one two three four five six. There's six, and actually there's seven. I did not realize this, but um, the the film State Fair, which is actually the only uh, musical that I believe they wrote specifically for the screen, is presented in two different versions. There's the the 1940s version with uh, Dana Andrews who. Thankfully, does not sing, and uh, and the 1962 version with Pat Boone, and and Tom Ewell, uh, which has not been seen probably for very good reasons, but um, those are both on here to compare and contrast. Uh, and actually, almost every single film on here, except for Sound of Music, has at least two versions because there were two different versions of, uh, of South Pacific. There was the the long Tadeo version and the shorter Cinemascope version. There's two versions of Oklahoma, again in Tadeo and Cinemascope. So you're telling me they shot with two cameras on that? Yes. For yeah. the same at the same time, or did they no, shoot should, each I, scene twice? I think they probably shot each scene twice. What a miracle! And there were a lot of films. Uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was done the same way because MGM wasn't sure that widescreen was the way to go, so they shot it flat and they shot it widescreen. And ironically, a lot of the videos that came out first would be panned and scanned versions of the widescreen version rather than the flat version, which was properly composited for for that shape. So, uh, so you get a good exa- a good look at at uh, the way these films were put together because there are a lot of differences between the different versions. Uh, there's extra footage in in the roadshow versions. Um, the dances are slightly different because, of course, they're shot at different times. And the most amazing thing is that Tadeo was unusual in that not only was it a large film format, but it did not run at the normal uh, film speed of 24 frames per second. It ran at 30 frames per second. Now, what this does when you put it onto video, which also runs at 30 frames per second, you don't get the slight jerkiness that you usually get because, you uh, you know, when you're putting a film on video, you're going from 24 frames to 30 frames. So at some point, you have to double a frame somewhere to keep it in sync and to make it work and to keep it from flickering. Um, but with 30 frames going to 30 frames, the characters in Oklahoma in the Tadeo version move so smoothly, it actually is somewhat off-putting a little bit at first because it doesn't look right. Because it's not what you're used to seeing. It's not what you're used to seeing. They move but very, it's, very it's smoothly. it's very nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that musical. Mm-hmm. Just love it. Had it uh, learned all the songs uh, by rote when I was just a kid. Which brings us, by the way, we're speaking to J. Todd Anderson, storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and then some. Also, George Williman, the nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress on a special edition of Filmically Perfect here on 91.3 WYS. So we're talking about not necessarily great buys, but good buys for this holiday season, if you will, things that are being offered up. For your purchase, uh, as uh, this uh, year draws to a close, and by the way, something that didn't 
used to uh, even come up in my consciousness about buying movies is the special features. By the way, it seems like another way that they trick you into buying these you know, packages again and again. Oh, well, this one turns out to be the ultimate double uh, yeah. best ever with these behind-the-scenes features. Well, now, I bought that five years ago, but I would like to see the director's commentary with the you know, uh, production assistant. I would like to see that, so I might actually buy it again and give away the new one. I mean, right. how much do you pay attention to the special features? Both you, George, and I go up by Soundstage 13 and ask the grip stand around to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) They're the ones who know everything. Right. Well, you can get it straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) You really want to find out, you go to like makeup and then they'll tell you everything. Or craft services. No, no makeup. No makeup? makeup. Okay. They put their hands on them and then they just spill and they tell them everything. I tell you what, though, I love the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love the making of. I love the. I'll, I'll watch the movie all the way through, and then in the same sitting, watch it again with the director's commentary. Right. I love I, it. If, if you've got someone who's really good at commentary, yes, it's a treat, you know, because you get to hear. There are certain directors that do wonderful commentaries. Um, there's a. If you can still, I don't think it's available anymore, but, but Criterion put out Charade with uh, a commentary by Peter Stone and Stanley Donan, the writer and director, which is just hysterical. They're both very funny and they very witty. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich does good commentaries on his own films, anyways. Um, whom else? He did the commentary on the John Wayne movie that we reviewed, as a matter of fact, that I saw, and it was very, yes. very good. And another really good behind-the-scenes commentary oh. that I love is for Sideways, when uh, the lead actor, the two lead male actors uh, do the do the commentary through. It is a stitch, and it's rarely about the movie. It's quite funny, but I appreciate that that kind of stuff. So, J. Todd, do you look for that in a movie, the, the extra features or not? You know, I, I can't say that I do unless it's something that I want to hear. I mean... Because um, you can just go ask. I don't know. I, I get a little tired of the hoo-ha part of making movies. You know, it's, it's kind of nice to watch a really good movie uninterrupted. Right. Well, that that's one of the problems of, of being of, of having actually worked on movies and actually made movies to watch something about making a movie and then trying to make that piece interesting. Yeah, whenever I put the commentary on, I feel like I'm in the theater shushing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I'm trying to listen to the movie. Well, they say that same thing about radio, that it's like uh, sausage. You'd, it, you'd, yeah. you'd rather just eat it and not know how it's made. Right. Yeah. Well, well did, interestingly that... enough, the, the collection that I would like to talk about yes. um, has a lot of that commentary on it. And which is um, that? It is... Oops, look out. There's film canisters so falling gone, in L.A. He just, he just threw it through my window. Here it is. They deliver things fast out here, man. Uh, it's the Frank Capra Premier Collection. Oh, yeah. And this is one of my favorite directors, uh, Frank Capra. Um, and I remember reading his book, The Name Above the Title. Um, and in there, they've got, uh, they've got people in the background talking on this one, like Marty Scorsese and... Um, Robert Altman, who just perished, uh, just died yeah. a week or so ago. And But those guys are really good guys to listen to, um, especially Robert Altman. Uh, but anyway, this has all the really wonderful films that you never see by Frank Capper, like American Madness, is on yeah. it, which is just one of his greatest films when he was at Columbia in the 1930s. And it's a really early, film. early Columbia talkie from him. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he, he, uh, he did some really amazing work for Frank, uh, for uh, Harry Cohn, and these were very, very fast-paced movies, uh, and they all kind of, uh, kind of came to the top of the the food chain when he did it happen one night, which is ultimate Frank Capra, you know, and uh, 
But if you watch American Madness, you'll see some of the techniques he developed uh, for speeding things up on the screen because he felt that uh, the screen, when you watched a movie screen in the theater, was 20, 30 feet high. Uh, so at every, all the scale, everybody slowed down because they were giants, you know, when you look at them on the I've screen. I've heard you say that before, and it's no. so interesting because you would think that perception, sight perception is sight perception, and that size wouldn't matter. But perhaps it's the same sort of thing, like when you get out west and all the space is so vast and so big. Well, you, yeah, well, you really see... Um, you really see how he speeds up actors and keeps them very snappy and, and kind of makes uh, makes a genre of American movies here where you see yeah. the snappy, snappy action that you see in Howard Hawks, Howard Hawks films and everything like well, that. Well, it's all there in American Madness. And uh, he also experimented with never stopping the camera uh, because uh, of rules at Columbia. Uh, he just kept the camera rolling uh, so that he was only allowed to have so many takes, I believe it is. And so he just wanted one take, so he just kept the camera rolling until it rolled out at a thousand feet, and he just kept bringing the actors back to their mark and doing them, you know, okay, let's go again, let's go again. Those and must you'll be see fun a looseness outtakes. to the actors in American Madness. Uh, this is one of the very first films you can really, really see it. And, and it's interesting. I saw the beginning of American Madness on uh, Turner Classic Movies the other night, and it, again, it's like 31 or 32, I think, is when it came out. And even at that point, he's got this overlapping dialogue right at the beginning. All these guys are talking to each other about where's so-and-so, and they're all kind of you know, just, just chatting like people normally do, which was unheard of at that time, mainly because there, was, was, there was no mixing. Yeah, and he'd been he an, an editor. editor. So he used two and three cameras, you know. Um, and he claims that you know he's only allowed so many takes, so he just burned a lot of film. Um, that's what he says in his book, which his book is absolutely fabulous. Um, right. the name above the title, which he wrote in about 1971. Well, and what's really funny about that book is that so much of that book has been poo-pooed by the rest of the film historians and whatnot, and there's been books written in opposition to that book. But it doesn't matter. It's such a wonderful book. Yeah, you know, while you're at it, folks, if you buy the premier Frank Capra collection, go out and buy the name above the title. Don't buy that other one. I mean, it's okay, but it's just written by Frank Capra, and it's the, like this big story. That's right. He's a storyteller first and historian second. So this and is the way he talked about how it. you know he was he was mashed, and then he just rose again, and he's very very yeah. colorful, and it's uh, it's just like his movies. And in this movie, there's Mr. Smith goes to Washington. In this package, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, you can't take it with you, which is a stage play. Mr. Deeds goes to town. These are films that he's known for, and uh, of course, American Madness, and it. Uh, it's, uh, it happened one night. And then you'll see, if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, which is on our perfect movie list, and these, these other films are on our perfect movie list too, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and Happened One Night and American Madness. But you'll see a big distinct difference from the Columbia years uh, where he worked for Harry Cohn. And uh, these, these all have just, just a, they're just a beautiful screen, screening to watch these Frank Capra movies. It's the premiere Frank Capra, Frank Capra, that's hard to say, Capra. Frank Capra Collection, a recommendation from J. Todd Anderson. Actually, gentlemen, we are just about out of time. Wow. And uh, that flew by. So let's review. We have uh, The Ultimate James Bond. J. Todd recommends that, as well as the premiere Frank Capra Collection. And George Williman recommends the re-releases of the Rodgers and Hammerstein movies. And that what's the name of that collection? It's just called the Rodgers and Hammerstein Collection. Well, there you go. Very simple. Remastered. Very easy. It's something we call Filmically Perfect. We do it every Friday at just about 12.15 here on 
91.3 WYSO. J. Todd Anderson, the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and then some, currently working with George Clooney in L.A., joins us by telephone, and George Williman, the film archivist for Library of Congress. Uh, we do it up every Friday, and we would love to hear a little feedback from you gents, uh, or, I mean to say from the listeners. We, uh, George, the website is smoking right now. Yes, it is. Uh, we're amazed. Um, and we've, this is... we've doubled our listenership on the iTunes. And, and, uh, and one thing really I... appreciate you folks doing this we really appreciate we it. do one thing i wanted to do real quick is i want to send a big thank you out to dave larson and the dayton daily news for the wonderful article they nice. did on us last friday i uh, know that guy which is i know that guy. which is up on our website which is www giving away the ham when we right. did babe that's right www.perfectmovie.net and if you would like to Check write to J. Todd and George, please do. It's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Stop by the website. There's a lot there waiting for you, and we would truly love to hear your feedback. There's a link there Tell for that. Tell us your suggestions for perfect movies, you know? Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect. Coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.